0: I just finished traveling Southeast Asia for 41 days, and I usually always get sick when I travel, and quite frankly, eating is difficult for me. It's hard to find a restaurant, and I'm spoiled in Austin with my personal chef. Well, I took these little packets with me this time, 30 of them, in my carry-on suitcase. They kept me totally healthy with 11 different secret ingredients. You can see them at nathanlaka.com forward slash juice. I'll tell you more later on in the show. That's nathanlaka.com forward slash juice. This is episode 653, coming up tomorrow morning, you're gonna learn how Dale made $100,000 at the very young age of 19. Now he's made 1.2 million from 16 best-selling books, any new app that he's launching. Good morning, everyone. My guest this morning is Maria Gott. She is the president and CEO at the Partnership Fund for New York City, which is the investment arm of the partnership for New York City. In addition to leading the fund's operations, Maria has spearheaded the creation and operation of a number of the fund's strategic initiatives, including the FinTech Innovation Lab, among many, many others. Now, prior to joining the fund in 1999, Maria was a managing director at a company that's now part of Deutsche Bank, providing strategic and financial advice related to mergers, acquisitions, dispositions, joint ventures, and the development of business strategies. Before starting work there, Maria worked at LaSalle Partners in the New York area and for Merrill Lynch Capital Markets in both New York and London. She graduated with an MBA from Harvard Business School and a BA from Wellesley College. Maria, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right, let's talk. So I'm looking forward to this, specifically focused on fintech. But before we go into fintech specifically, this is the first time I've really talked to someone. I believe this is a government role. You're, you're right. You're operating on government funds.
1: No, we're we are the we are the corporate sector at the table to try to grow the New York City economy. So Henry Kravis of KKR raised the funds in the late '90s. And he raised them from major uh, major corporations in New York, as well as individuals. So if you look at our investor list, it's sort of the who's who of private equity, as well as the corporate sector. Uh, we're structured as an evergreen fund. So the investors put up the money not to make a financial return, but to try to create jobs and expand the economy in New York City. So it's a very unusual structure, and it means we can do things that are a little bit Uh, riskier and take a little bit longer than a traditional private sector investor, but always with the sort of cap on of how is it helping uh, and growing the New York City economy. We often work with government, but we are privately funded.
0: Now, Maria, taking that down to an actual kind of business setup level, I mean, are you structured as a 501c3? Is this a write-off for the investors or, or no?
1: No, uh, think of it more as an interest-free loan for 45 years.
0: Got it. Perfect. Great. Okay, so that's helpful to understand. And then talk about, quickly, uh, again, before we get into fintech stuff specifically, talk about kind of returns. You've had some exits in the form of Ink Tank and BillGuard and a few others. Does this operate like a typical fund? In other words, are the partners incentivized with the upside?
1: No. So all those gains uh, just came back to our fund, and we are reinvesting them in people and other investments. I love that. We have, the, we have the investors' money for 45 years, and if we make returns, it comes back to us to fund new projects.
0: And then give us the overview here quickly. What year did you launch this in and how many portfolio companies do you have?
1: Uh, so there, do you want to, is this about the fund or the FinTech Lab?
0: Just the FinTech Lab.
1: So the FinTech Lab, we've had 39 graduates. Okay. Uh, we're going into our seventh year. So it is really an elite program where we take in between six and eight companies per year. Um And I think what is different about this program versus the many other sort of 12-week accelerator or incubator programs out there is this is structured very much as a civic program where we have convened uh, sort of uniquely the market for uh, fintech companies that want to engage with large financial institutions. And the goal of the program is to help reduce the pain and agony of a small emerging technology company trying to get into and get attention from a large financial institution.
0: You're kind of greasing those wheels.
1: Uh, yes. So it, it's a very inefficient process. Uh, I liken it to right now to get a small technology company into a large corporate, you need a battering ram. <laughs> um, and so we, inst- we sort of structure or institutionalize the battering ram, um, and, and I guess another way to think about our program is cause it is competitive to get in. It's a shark tank to get in, but once you're in, it's a dolphin tank. How and many people put,
0: Maria, are applying per year? And obviously you're only accepting six to eight.
1: So we get about 150, 160 applications.
0: Got it. And, and what, when, what does that mean getting in? I mean, are you putting money in for equity or how's that work?
1: No, we, uh, we, w- the companies are selected by our financial institution partners, so a company's technology has to rise to the level of uh, addressing a major pain point for a major financial institution. They select the class, and the key value proposition for the companies that get into the program is they get extraordinary access and attention during the 12 weeks from this group of 34 financial institutions.
0: And for the financial institutions, potentially a low risk way to take kind of high risk ideas and startups and kind of see how they perform and potentially acquire them down the road.
1: Uh, not. Yes. I guess the proviso I would say is in some cases, it's not about an acquisition. It's about using. Got it. But I think that this, the fact that we are this nonprofit civic organization is important because that really, informs the dynamic Uh, so the the, so the executives from the financial institutions and we get very good buy-in at senior levels from typically a cto or a cio okay are coming to the table as part of a civic program partly to help grow the fintech community in new york city and to create jobs and at a macro level there's clearly disruption happening in financial services And we want both the people being disrupted and the disruptors in New York, because from an economic perspective, on a net net basis, the city wins if both are here.
0: And just, and I want to talk more about like, you know, for example, Forward Lane and how that maybe compares to a wealth front for bringing kind of high net worth investment advice down to everybody. Uh, but mm-hmm. just, just so I understand you clear, clearly, Maria, that there, is, like Forward Lane, for example, there you mentioned a fund, but you said you're not putting money into these companies; you're just providing the relationships to these CIOs and CTOs. Is, is, did I hear you right?
1: correct initially we take a very small warrant coverage in okay. everybody that comes into the lab now we will invest in some of the graduates post program got it but the program it's but that's a separate that, that's separate from the lab so the lab is all about sort of is laser focused on solving that problem of access to the customer perfect and and the program is 100% b2b or b2b to c so we're doing no direct to consumer companies in the program uh, in all cases, the company, uh, the companies that come in, a large financial institution is a target customer or a target partner.
0: Got it. So let's dive into to one of these. So uh, I think uh, part of your twenty sixteen class was Forward Lane. I got that correct, right? Yes. So, for, okay, great. So, help us understand. You know, some of the trends that you're seeing in this space, specific to maybe insight you have access to that we don't, the rest of the world doesn't, because of your relationships with these CIOs and CTOs. What kinds of things are they asking for or looking for, and how did Forward Lane kind of meet that ask?
1: So consistently since the beginning, there have always been what I call the big three, uh, data, security, risk management, currently known as RegTech, but basically it does uh, risk management. So those three categories have been on the top of the CIO's list since the beginning. What we've seen in the last couple of years, though, is now... Um, Some new things coming in around uh, blockchain. Uh, disruptive talent management, interestingly, has been a new category in thinking about how to engage their employees, both hiring and once they're hired. Okay. Um, blockchain went through a very interesting cycle, cycle. where for a couple of years, there was nobody interested in touching it or being publicly associated. This was when it was all about Bitcoin. Yep. Then there were two or three years there where there was a very high interest in uh, distributed ledger and blockchain. And interestingly, this year, much less interest. And uh, I think it's because everybody's made their big bets on the enabling uh, sort of the big uh, consortium deals that but were put together in the last couple of years. So Digital Asset Holdings was in the class two years ago. Yep. And that got a big investment uh, round from, again, major financial institutions. What these, was that round size? That was about 60 million that they okay.
0: raised. Okay, got it.
1: Um, then you had the Ethereum, the R3. So I think what's happening, there's a little, little bit of a digestion happening right now. And I predict that in like two years, there will be an increased interest back in more enabling technologies that will help fit around the distributed ledger. But the core systems, people have made their bets.
0: <laughs> Makes sense. They've got exposure to those things, and they don't really want to increase that exposure.
1: They need to digest what they've already taken on.
0: So, if you had, to, I'm going to ask you to pick pick your favorite child here for a second, which I know is tough. But if you look at your portfolio over the past seven years uh, under these categories—data, security, risk management, and kind of blockchain. When you look at data, which one of your portfolio companies uh, do you think is kind of doing the best job in this area?
1: Uh, I'm going to go back to near the beginning because, you know, enterprise sales take a while. So digital reasoning (laughs) came into the program with a very interesting technology that is able to read unstructured data. And they were working for the government. And to give you a sense of the company, they were able to read Urdu and Pashto before they could read Spanish. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they came into the program with very few contacts in financial services and, you know, a very cool technology, but no idea what the product was. And in the program, with the guidance from their mentor financial institutions, what they were advised to do was to focus on compliance because that's where the budget was and that's where the need was. So they've developed a tool for uh, compliance tool for e-communications uh, that's really becoming industry standard in financial services. And so they are signing uh, six- and seven-figure con- multi-year contracts with that technology.
0: Yeah, this is a private – it's basically like a private knowledge graph. Now, they're, they're headquartered in, in Tennessee. How would they come across your radar?
1: Uh an errant email
0: (laughs) it's funny how that works isn't it
1: (laughs) funny how it works all right but but they will but they but but they uh they're they are building out their financial services team in new york so they've created at least 30 35 jobs in new york
0: yeah and i think their team size now is between 100 and maybe 200 people they've raised this is based off public data i think about 74 million dollars raised so they're doing well yeah, yeah. Great. And I'll work I'll guys. I'll actually reach out to Tim and see if I can get him on the show. But let's go to security now. Who do you think is doing the best there in, in your fund in your uh, uh, portfolio?
1: Centripetal networks, again, indeed, another DC company. Uh, you'll see there's a pattern there of defense companies coming uh, You know, into the program. So they have a perimeter defense technology, um, and they're getting some interesting traction uh, in, for people that have a lot of retail locations is where they've gotten um, a certain amount of traction.
0: Interesting. Uh, bump into risk management. What do you, who, who's doing best there? Uh,
1: there was a company that we had one company in last year's program called Quarul, and they're, uh, so they're, they're, they're still pretty early.
0: Yeah. And describe what they do.
1: Uh, they are trying to automate some of the processing of regulatory tracking. So it's an area where all the financial institutions have made big investments um, to do reporting, and they're trying to automate some of that. So very oh, interesting concept. Like
0: kind of kind of helping machines try and figure out the meaning of regulations, exactly.
1: and, and more flagging operations against regulations. Got so it. take regulation and then automating the process of going through you know trading systems to say uh this looks like this might have run up against a regulation
0: yep and then last one blockchain who are you most excited about in your portfolio uh
1: well digital asset holdings is doing a great job because they've raised a significant amount of money and they're involved in some pretty major projects one in particular they've announced down in australia Uh um where they are uh i think building a core piece of infrastructure for the australian stock exchange
0: and how do you manage? I mean, it sounds like part of your goal is to, again, create jobs in New York. How do you, like, uh, in a friendly way, pressure folks to try and focus on jobs in New York?
1: So we uh, let the customers do the talking. And I think people come from out of town. And during the 12 weeks, we, they make very good contacts. And they really sort of come to realize this on their own, that if they're going to engage in a substantive way, they really need to have people on the ground in New York. Um, and so they end up putting people here. Initially it is more sort of sales, sales support, but over time we've seen people add the technology people as well, if they're not here, a couple of people have moved their headquarters here. Um, and, uh, cause again, they realize it's worth, uh, you know, it's worth putting the, the team on the ground here. And then the other thing that we started to notice is we started the program with 10 banks basically, and we've now expanded to 34 financial institutions. So we've layered in. And they're all
0: investing, they're putting their money where their mouth is, right? They're putting cash into the fund too, right? Uh
1: no, not necessarily. Some okay. some are already existing investors. We've not raised money since the late nineties. Oh wow, so and
0: what was the initial fund size, do you remember?
1: About 120 million, our okay. fund.
0: And you're still operating off that.
1: Yeah, yeah, because okay. it's evergreen, remember? So the money goes out, it comes back. So yeah. out of the hundred and twenty million we've actually made 160 million investments
0: maria just to make sure i understand that clearly when you see the money goes out then it comes back here it comes back i mean you don't rec- this isn't debt you don't require companies to pay back you're talking about when, when they exit it comes back
1: exactly yeah exactly
0: got it yeah, yeah so it's yeah. not it's not structured as debt okay
1: not not for not for tech companies so what we've seen an increase in interest from outside new york from the financial services sector wanting to come and participate in the fintech lab interesting so we've We've layered in um, a couple of institutions uh, this year. U.S. Bank joined, Rabobank joined, Hartford out of Connecticut joined, um, and they are sort of coming with their people for the most part that have offices in New York to engage with us. So I think that we take that as a proof point that New York is starting to be seen as a center for fintech and where you want to come if you're a large institution to see what's happening on the ground that's relevant to you
0: back in episode 498 when i had the ceo of wealthfront on and asked him kind of how he's developing his product roadmap his answer uh, surprised me a little bit in that he said he was looking at a lot of what some of these investors that you have are doing and kind of traditional kind of asset management and. And what kind of people are currently doing and trying to figure out how to automate. An example he gave is real-time kind of uh, tax loss harvesting, which, you know, a company like a Vanguard or a bigger bank can't do because the savings are too small to put a person on it. Um, Where do you see automated kind of financial services like Wealthfront and like some of your portfolio companies really challenging and eating away at the business models of some of these larger banks?
1: Uh, The, so that's an interesting question. I think there are, there are some smaller companies that are like uh, trying to go after pieces. And what they're finding is as they scale, the acquisition costs are increasingly expensive. And I think what you're going to see as a trend is those are going to end up primarily either being partnered or acquired by the financial.
0: Can you give me? Can you name a specific company?
1: Like Learnvest is an exa- is a good example, right? So they came as a providing uh, financial literacy and education, um, and and it was filling a gap that the financial institutions were not providing, and they were acquired by Northwest Mutual. Got it. Makes a couple sense. years ago, um, you you've got. Uh, blanking on the name um the small business lenders um they're the big sorry i'm just blanking on the name that's okay Uh, yeah they uh they went into a market that the banks were not uh servicing and they came at it with a different underwriting methodology uh they were looking at the cash going through the bank accounts of these small businesses so they have now started partnering um partnering with them simple bank simple is another example that was acquired by bbva so I think uh, people like Sofi are the exception to the rule, um, where you're able to, you know, come in with a new product that the uh, an area where the banks are not paying it, you know, are not working for whatever reason, and then expand to be a a, a big company. I think you're going to see most of the companies end up being when they get to a certain size or asset size, partnering or acquiring with a large institution because they have the regulatory expertise and they have the the distribution power.
0: Yeah, so, so these new startups, they can come in and really attack a specific almost point solution. But you're saying what you see trouble, where you see trouble start happening is kind of when they try to kind of vertically integrate into other services, acquisition costs rise. And then you have great exit stories like what Alexa did at LearnVest with a $250 right, million right. Dollar exit to, who was that again? Yeah. Northwestern, right?
1: Uh, at Northwestern Mutual, yeah. yeah. And then as you get bigger, the whole regulatory uh, costs increase. Yep. Okay. Um, and... What the large financial institutions have is expertise in regulatory compliance.
0: So guys, I'm so glad to be back in Austin. I just got back from a major tour of Southeast Asia, went to Sydney, Bangkok, Bali, and Japan. And you know, I always get sick when I travel. And this particular trip, my gosh, 15 different airports, 20 different hotels. I mean, imagine flushing in airport bathrooms. I was worried about germs and getting all the nutrition I need. I mean, finding a restaurant in Japan, difficult because nothing's in English. So it was hard enough to figure out the train system. But my point is, I had a guy named Drew Canole on the show who said, Nathan, if you're concerned about that, take these little green packets with you. You just mix them once per day with water. They'll keep you super healthy. You get all your nutrients and they'll keep you from getting sick. So I took them and guys, they worked unbelievably well. I got no sickness, just mixed them with water once per day. They didn't make my water bottles all sticky. That's like nice. A lot of these mixers, they make them sticky. It was very clean and smooth them once per day, never got sick. So they've got 11 superfoods and they're perfect if you're not traveling, but you're just on the go from your office to work. So you can check them out at nathanlatka.com forward slash juice. That's nathanlatka.com forward slash juice. Well, top tribe there you have Maria. Maria, let's wrap up here with the famous five user rapid fire questions. You ready? Yep. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Or just last book you read?
1: Um... I'm reading a book on the Iranian negotiations with the U.S. around the treaty.
0: What's it called? Do you know?
1: It's by, no, I don't remember the name.
0: Sorry. It's okay. I'll look it up. Um, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Henry Kravis.
0: Yep. <laughs> good good answer. One of your investors, right? All right. Number, uh, number three, is there a favorite online tool that you use uh, pretty frequently, whether it's for the fun, the business, or just your daily work?
1: My city bike app.
0: Number uh, four, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night?
1: Seven and a half.
0: That's pretty good. And then last question, uh, uh, you have kids, married, single, what's your situation?
1: Uh, Seven nieces and nephews. Wow. (laughs) Five godchildren.
0: Holy mackerel. Okay, great. So last question, take us back, Maria, to your 20-year-old self. What's one lesson that you wish she knew?
1: Be bold, be bold, be bold.
0: Subject. There you have it from Maria Gotch. Be bold, be bold, be bold. She's got many accomplishments under her belt, but she's really leading the change when it comes to helping these startups get involved with some of these larger financial institutions and the value these financial institutions have to offer some of these new concepts as the CEO of the Partnership Fund for New York City, which includes kind of under it, the FinTech Innovation Lab that she has spearheaded with over 39 graduates in its seventh year, accepting six to eight companies per year and investing on follow-on rounds to the tune of about 120 out of their $120 million fund. Maria, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: My pleasure. Nice talking to you.
0: If you enjoyed Maria today, go back and listen to yesterday's episode with the SnapLogic CEO, where he announces he's raised $136 million, doing over $70 million in annual recurring revenue. And I asked him the obvious question, Grov, when are you going public? It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners. But boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Okay, Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google Ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google right when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money. HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward
1: slash Nathan.